welcome to the Truth in My Days podcast, where we defend the Word of God against the challenges of men. Hi, I'm Sonia. I'm back here with John for another podcast from Truth in My Days. So, John, what do you say to skeptics who claim that archaeological evidence disproves the events of the Bible? There are skeptics who make that claim, and I would agree that that is an important issue. In John chapter 3, verse 12, Jesus says this, If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And the point he's making there is, if you can't trust him on earthly things, things you can check, why would you believe him on heavenly things? And the reason for this, obviously, is because Christianity is not based on some kind of nebulous myths. It's not a Star Wars sort of thing where you see it talks about things that happened a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It is actually a uniquely historical religion. It bases its claims on real events that happen in real time and in real places. And the Bible is very clear on that. Some of the writers make a lot of effort to situate their accounts in historical timelines. Luke chapter 3, verse 1 to 3, for example, Luke writes this. Now in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea, Herod being tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip, tetrarch of Iturea and the region of Trachonitis, and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene. While Annas and Caiaphas were high priests, the word of God came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness, and he went into all the region around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And, and does Luke usually get all these details right? Uh, well, we'll see the reliability of Luke as we go forward. The point here is simply that he is telling you when and where these things happen so that you can check. And this is a point that's made repeatedly, particularly in the New Testament. When Paul is speaking to Felix in Acts chapter 26, he says this in verse 26 to him, For the king before whom I also speak freely knows these things, for I am convinced that none of these things escapes his attention since this thing was not done in a corner. He is reminding him that you know these things. These are historical facts. Uh, you can check on them if you want. Peter, in 2 Peter chapter 1, says, For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. And he goes on to say, He heard the voice from heaven, my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased, and he says, we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. So they're emphasizing again and again that these were historical events that really happened in real time and real space. There's the eyewitness challenge that we talked about uh, in other programs in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where Paul lists the people to whom the risen Jesus had appeared Cephas, that's Peter, the 12, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present. Again, go and check with them if you do not believe. So Christianity is fundamentally based on real events having really happened, and it necessarily follows that of the historical claims 
on which Christianity is based are not true, then Chris, the Christian faith itself is not true. And the Bible even says that in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes, if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. And then he says, if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. We are of all men the most pitiable. Aren't there some uh, Christian writers or apologists today who seem to think that there could be some historical or small historical mistakes in the Bible, but that doesn't mean you need to throw out the gospel message? Uh, there are some who say that, but it seems to me that that runs pretty contrary to what Jesus said in John 3, 12. The more you say there are historical mistakes, and they will say there are scientific mistakes, and they say, but you can still hold to it, you run into this problem then. Because if everything that you check, or a lot of things you check, turn out to be false, we're back to what Jesus said. If you can't trust him on the things you can check, the earthly things, why should you check him on the other things? Why should we think that the Bible writers got all the these obvious facts wrong, and yet we should believe what they say about uh, heavenly things. But it's a good thing you brought that up, because why do they say it? It's because of skeptics, like the ones we're going to look at today, who insist that, yes, the Bible got these things wrong. And I think a smarter place to start is to look at whether those claims are true before we start saying that, yes, the Bible got things wrong, but we should trust it anyway. Why do people say that the Bible got it wrong? Well, as, as we've talked about elsewhere, ever since the start of the so-called Enlightenment era, you had the rise of rationalist philosophers, intellectuals, opinion leaders who are trying to push God out of society, making man the measure of all things, enthroning man and dethroning God. And, and this gave rise to a, a noxious species that we call liberal biblical scholars, whose goal, their self-appointed task, was to convince the world that the Bible couldn't be trusted. They wanted to discard the Bible. And one of the ways they did this was through archaeology, or specifically claiming that archaeology disproves the Bible. Now, what is archaeology? It is the study and learning about past history by examining the material remains left to us. When we're talking history, we're talking about looking at written documents, and that is the primary way we know about the past. But there are also material remains left by ancient civilizations, things like pottery, usually in pieces, uh, coins, statues, weapons, tools, entire ruined cities, and so on. And there are skeptics who claim that as we study these material remains, we realize that the supposedly historical accounts in the Bible aren't historical at all. Archaeology disproves the Bible, they claim, and that message is sent out repeatedly. This, this one skeptic online, for example, has a, a site that's called Archaeology Disproves the Bible and has a big picture in the middle where he says, I believe in archaeology with the claim that archaeological evidence contradicts all four foundational stories of the Bible, showing it was written, rewritten, and edited for the purposes of dogmatic propaganda. What are some of the specific claims that are made? Well, we'll look at that in a moment. Uh, let's finish off this influence of these. 
there are books, copious books published on this topic claiming that the Bible is wrong. The Bible Unearthed by Israel Finkelstein and Neil Asher Silberman was a popular one. You find it in popular magazines quite often. McLean's Magazine ran a cover article some time ago saying, is the good book bad history? And the author claims the exodus from Egypt, the conquests of the promised land, even the monarchy of David and Solomon, all are derided as fiction by revisionist academics. So there are some of the, those examples of things they claim. And as we've said, this would be a problem given that Jesus said that if he tells us earthly things and we don't believe, and he can't believe, how could we believe the heavenly things? So if archaeology could disprove the Bible, it would be, definitely be a problem. But is it true? Is it true that archaeology has disproven the Bible? Well, there are two ways in which skeptics claim that it does. Number one, they point to supposed positive evidence, and that is archaeological evidence that shows that something the Bible claims happened in, in one way actually happened in a different way or didn't happen at all. And there's negative evidence as well, which is a failure to discover expected evidence for something the Bible says happened. Well, positive evidence sounds like it would be a problem, but in the case of negative evidence, couldn't you always just say we haven't found it yet? Well, you could, though they might say that that's a, a cop out there. You're just saying <laughs> we can look everywhere and not find just say, well, you just haven't found it yet. You're correct that this is an argument from silence. And the question, though, is, is an argument from silence strong or weak? Philosophers will generally say that it is a weak argument. But the reality about arguments from silence is their strength depends on how strongly you should expect the evidence to be there if it happened. Uh, let me give you uh, an analogy or an example. Suppose a murder happened at 8.30 p.m. yesterday, and the police come to you, they think you're a suspect, and they ask you, where were you at 8.30 last night? And you tell them, I was at the Blue Jays game. I was watching the Blue Jays game. And then the police find five people went to the Blue Jay game yesterday, and they ask them, did you see Sonia there? And the five people say no. And they say, see, there's no evidence you were there. Yeah, if I would have such a big crowd, how can you expect five people to see me? Exactly. It makes no sense. That's a very, very weak argument from silence. There might be 30, 40,000 people in attendance. You're not looking at the people around you. You're watching the game. That seems to be a ridiculous argument. On the other hand, if the police ask you, where were you at 8.30 yesterday? And you say, I was at the Blue Jay game. I was the starting pitcher. And then they find five people and ask, did you see science at the game yesterday? And they say, no. Would that then become a strong argument? I guess so, yeah. That would be a strong argument because the expectation is that as this, you being the starting pitcher, they would certainly have seen you. So an argument from science can, in fact, be strong. It all comes down to how reasonable is the expectation that you should have found the evidence if it had happened. And that is the negative evidence. It's a failure to discover expected evidence for something the Bible says happened. 
But I agree with you. The positive evidence is the stronger one. And if you had that, that might indeed seem to be problematic. You couldn't then say, well, we just haven't found the evidence yet, because now supposedly you found evidence that disproves what the Bible says. But when you look through their claims, you find that they're exact, in fact, remarkably few examples of this. I could actually think of only one. So in the offhand, I can think of only one. And that has to do with the ancient city of Jericho. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. But please join us for the next part tomorrow. Same time and same place. If you enjoy our content and think this is important material, the best compliment you can pay is by sharing this with your friends and family. This helps us out a lot. Also, if you enjoyed today's program, please like, comment, share, and subscribe to this podcast. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to the Truth In My Days podcast with John Torse. We would love to hear from you. Please feel free to share any questions or comments you may have. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, MeWe, and YouTube. Simply search Truth In My Days as one word. Again, Truth In My Days as one word, no spaces in between. And you can connect with us. You may also visit our website for more comprehensive material and to learn more about our ministry. Our website is truthinmydays.com. Thank you. Thank you.